You are listening to Love Maine Radio, hosted by Dr. Lisa Belisle and recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine in Portland. Dr. Lisa Belisle is a writer and physician who practices family medicine and acupuncture in Brunswick, Maine. Show summaries are available at lovemainradio.com. Here are some highlights from this week's program. Today, more and more people are seeking that out. Uh, the acupuncture they're seeking out, uh, naturopathic care certainly, and then even, um, as I said, the, the polarity work or energy work, people are a lot more attuned to, which I think uh, is wonderful because there's this whole other spectrum of how to take care of yourself versus you know heading straight to your primary care. I'll never forget walking into his office and making my plea, you have to have the residents labor sit an entire labor. They don't understand what's going on when they walk in for just five minutes. You have to have them sit through at least one entire labor so they get the whole picture. He listened well. <laughs> this is Dr. Lisa Belial, and you are listening to Love, Main Radio, show number 278, Body Balance, hearing for the first time on Sunday, January 15, 2017. Do you need to bring your body into balance? We ask a lot of our physical selves through our work and play. Today we speak with two healing practitioners who help their clients find balance through modalities such as massage, energy work, and dietary change. Julie Wright is the owner and director of Soma Massage and Wellness in South Portland, and Carrie Levine is a certified nurse midwife, functional medicine specialist, and founder of Whole Woman Health in Newcastle. Thank you for joining us. Love Maine Radio is brought to you by Berlin City Honda, where the car buying experience is all about easy. After all, life is complicated enough and buying a car shouldn't be. That's why the Berlin City Honda team goes the extra mile by pre-discounting all their vehicles and focus their efforts on being open, honest, and all about getting you on the road. In fact, Berlin City recently won the 2015 Women's Choice Award a strong testimony to their ability to deliver a different kind of car buying experience. Berlin City Honda of Portland. Easy. It's how buying a car should be. Go to BerlinCityHondaMe.com for more information. Love Main Radio is also brought to you by Aristel, a lingerie boutique on Exchange Street in Portland's Old Port, where every body is seen as a work of art and beauty is celebrated from the inside out. Shop with us in person or online at aristel.com. Today in the studio with me, I have Julie Wright, who is the owner and director of Soma Massage and Wellness in South Portland. She has been practicing massage since 2003. She specializes in therapeutic and nurturing massage, stress reduction, grief recovery, healing, and balancing work, and lives with her partner and daughter in Bar Mills. Thanks for coming in today. Thank you for having me. You have such an interesting background. I, I don't hear all the time that people who choose to go into massage, and you also have Reiki training, is that? Yes, I do. You yeah. have Reiki training, but you have also worked for the Youth Resiliency Project, which yes. is a branch of the People's Regional Opportunity Program, and you also did work with Outward Bound, and yeah. you just, such a broad range of things. Yeah, um, you know, I stumbled, uh, I had the wonderful opportunity to stumble upon Outward Bound when I was a high school student in South Portland. Um, I went for a 12-day uh, sailing course and just fell in love with it. It really spoke to me being out on the water, um, the team building exercises, all of it was really just a, a pretty wonderful experience. And so I um, found out how to become a volunteer and go back. So that summer, um, I returned as a volunteer, and then from there, 
um, went through their staff training and became a member of, uh, you know, one of the instructors uh, teaching in Maine and down in Baltimore as well. Um, I did that, you know, through college and um, really loved the work, you know, being out all the, the, the dynamics of being outdoors, um, working with people, helping them really get connected to who they are and see their own resiliency, to see their own gifts, really spoke to me. And um, yeah, that's how it kind of started and um, continued and is, still remains a, a strong passion of mine, even though I'm not teaching anymore. So it's interesting that the work that you do now is also about connecting people to themselves yeah. in a slightly different way, Yeah, but it's still helping people bridge whatever gaps they need to. Exactly. I think that's one of the things that I love uh, and feel so honored about being um, a massage therapist and, and a body worker is the opportunity to work with people. And, um, you know, there's certainly the, the clients that come in for um, pain management or discomfort, and that's very sort of physical and concrete. And then there's a whole spectrum of people who are really looking to just find more comfort within themselves. And <clears throat> those particular clients, just I enjoy so much um, supporting them and helping them feel that comfort and balance. And uh, there is, it does weave through the work of um, educating and then being a body worker. I see is uh, an extension of that. You know, we are helping people to become more aware of themselves and um, empowering them. And um, it's a wonderful blessing to, to be doing that. I feel blessed each day that this is what I get to call work. So what was the turning point for you that caused you to decide, okay, I think, I, I think I'd like to do a massage now? Yeah. Well, so to back up, when I was at USM, um, there was a non-credit um, class that came up, and it was introductory to massage therapy. And I was pretty excited about that. It just spoke to me for some reason. Um, I hadn't even at that point had a professional massage. It was just... Uh, I knew there was an interest, and so I signed up for the class. It was, you know, just like a six-week, once-a-week class. And I went through the program and just loved it. It just, uh, it lit up something in me that I was like, wow, this is pretty great. And I was already at USM um, in the social behavioral science, so um, working with people was something I knew I wanted to do. Um, and this just sort of opened a different door that I hadn't considered. And after the class, I went to the instructor and actually had a, my first massage and with her. And I, um, as I said, I, I fell in love with it. I loved it. And then from there, it was a, just a pursuit to uh, sort of figure out how I would get to school while I was already in school and make that all work. Um, about 10 years after having taken that class at USM, I was working for PROP here in Portland in the Youth Resiliency Program. And there was a few budget cuts that needed to happen, and one of was uh, sort of reconstructing what my position was. When I saw that, I could kind of see the writing on the wall and where things were going, and I said, you know, this is really the time for me um, to go follow something that actually continued to speak to me for those 10 years. So I found myself back in school. I um, decided upon Spatec that was in uh, Portland or is in Portland and I went through their holistic massage program and never turned back you know it was just 
I finally felt like I was on the right path. And um, from there, uh, continued. Um, I worked for a chiropractor for a while and learned a lot from working at his office. And, and I always knew, I think, going back to uh, my time with Outward Bound, <clears throat> excuse me, and in experiential education settings, working with other uh, instructors and creating community and um, holding space for people just was something that felt natural to me and that I wanted to continue. And so uh, building SOMA, I think, has roots in that. Um, and that's what I set out to do uh, about a year or two after completing my uh, massage certification. I went to SOMA, as you know, a few yeah. weeks ago for a massage. And, um, and I was really struck by how it's in South Portland, but it's in this interesting neighborhood that has continued to evolve yeah. um, since the new bridge went in. Yeah. And it's a neighborhood that um, I think people have a lot of affection for. Absolutely. It's, um, yeah, so we've been there, uh, this will be starting our 12th year uh, in 2017, and we've seen it, um, we've seen businesses kind of come and go but at the same time there's been traction and it's been growing and growing um, and there is there's a great love and affinity for that little downtown area if you go around the corner a little bit to the Willard Beach area where Scratch Bakery is and um, the other uh, 158 um, I think people have been looking for more small boutique style stores or cafes to go to. Um, Portland has a wonderful selection of things, but for the folks living in South Portland, it's nice to, I think everyone was sort of rooting for and excited to see that growth start to happen. And so, yeah, there's a lovely, vibrant, um, really artistic community that's growing over there. It, it has a very, it has a very welcoming um, yeah. sense to it yeah You're that neighborhood but also soma in particular oh i think when you first walk in the door it's it's i was struck by the diversity of the the clientele yes. that was there but everybody was everybody was welcome you know yeah. the front office was um more than happy to have whatever conversation was needed i think somebody was there who had never had a massage before yeah. or i've had a few massages and it was just that wanting to connect from the beginning yeah. you know when somebody walks through the door yeah it seems as though you have a variety of different um practitioners who we work do there. we do we have right now there's um there's about 20 massage therapists on staff and you know with varying degrees of experience and passion um, we have folks that have recently graduated from school and so we're sort of their first um, spot to practice and then we have seasoned practitioners who've been um, practicing for 13 14 15 years um, and so I think that spectrum really lends itself to that sense of welcoming um, everyone's excited about what they're doing whether it's new and fresh or something that they've been doing for a while and um, the opportunity to work with work with a network within the team that we've created um, I think is quite special as well you know beyond the massage aspect we also work with um, Heather Kingsley who is an acupuncturist and she's been with us since the day we opened and um, Sangeeta Pedro is a naturopathic doctor that has been with us for a couple years and then we've recently started working with a gentleman named Sada, who is an Ayurvedic health counselor. So we have, uh, beyond massage, um, we have this other 
you know, uh, spectrum of healthcare offered as well, which I think is exciting. I, I, I completely agree, and I've seen the interest in this type of healing work has really um, just grown by absolutely. And bounds. Yeah, yeah. I'd say you know, in the years that I've been practicing, in the beginning, um, you know, I had to explain a little bit more about. Um, what I was doing, and uh, in particular, when you start to add in pieces like Reiki or other energy work, um, today more and more people are seeking that out. Uh, the acupuncture they're seeking out, uh, naturopathic care certainly, and then even um, as I said, the the polarity work or energy work, people are a lot more attuned to, which I think uh, is wonderful because there's this whole other spectrum of how to take care of yourself versus, you know, heading straight to your primary care. Well, tell us about Reiki. For someone who's listening who's never really experienced this before, what, what is Reiki? What does it do and what can it be good for? Well, um, I, I can probably lump that into polarity work as well because that's a little bit more of my stronger training. But certainly it's all, uh, you know, about energy, energy that we um, have within or that we find in nature and around us. And... Uh, I guess harnessing that and um, helping it, using it to help center ourselves um, mentally and spiritually. The work itself is very gentle, and uh, more often than not, a client is, uh, which does make it a nice option for people who might be new to body work, that you don't need to undress. You just come in, lie on the table. Uh, obviously, you're doing an intake form and discussing with your practitioner about what's going on. But it's, um, generally speaking, it's um, light handholds and pressure points and really wonderful for um, stress reduction and relaxation. Um, you know, some people infuse other things, use of crystals um, or chanting or sound therapy. Um, again, those services are offered at SOMA as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lovely... Uh, experience certainly if you've not had it before and looking for something um, more gentle and relaxing. Is there a difference between polarity work and Reiki? Well the difference is probably boils down to intention and the tools that you use. Um, polarity was created uh, many years ago by a chiropractor and naturopath and sort of looking infusing Chinese meridian points as well um, so, and, and Reiki uh, traditionally is, uh, came from Japan as a um, healing uh, practice. Um, the difference was the intention or the, the result is very much the same, but how you go about getting there um, and the tools that you use are different. Um, so it's an interesting description because... Um, I've been doing acupuncture now for about 11 years, and, yeah. and in my training as a doctor who does acupuncture rather than someone who has a master's in acupuncture and, um, and what they call oriental medicine, you can do Japanese acupuncture, you can do um, scalp acupuncture, you can do Chinese acupuncture, yeah. but you're right, it's different sort of roads that, that bring you to the same place, and it's all about energy. It's just yeah. that some people seem to resonate more with a specific technique than others. Exactly, exactly. I think that's true in, in all body work, you know, um, which is is nice that there is a spectrum to choose from because um, not one single thing speaks to 
everybody. Um, so it's nice to have that variety, certainly. Yeah, I think that's a that's an important point too because um, a lot of people just think, okay, massage. Massage is where somebody puts their hands on your shoulders and helps you relax. But that's not really that's that's a very simple way of looking at right. it. Right. But I've had sports massage and deep tissue massage and relaxation massage <coughs> and hot stone massage, and the massages that I've had are as different as the people who are giving them. Absolutely, absolutely. And that um, you know to weave soma in there a little bit with that you know that was one of the things that um, I was really excited about when um, when we created SOMA and the intention behind it was to create options um, for people and we looked at um, the menu and what we could provide because you know certainly at that point in time as I said earlier massage therapy was massage therapy and it was still you know people I had to still explain what what that was but in that you know um, there are, as you said, there are many different styles. There's sports and there are muscular, deep tissue. Um, what I wanted to do with SOMA was, um, again, with the idea of kind of building that community and, and um, really sense of trust within our center was to create a menu that our clients could des- decide for themselves what style they wanted versus coming in and getting maybe everything all mixed into one, but creating the options that they could choose a, you know, a really relaxing session because all they wanted was just to um, reduce their stress and feel um, cozy and comforted. Um, or we have you know, a lot of athletes that come in that need more deep tissue focus work. So we tried to break that out so we could create, again, those options for our clients. And um, honestly, I feel like doing that lended itself to help create that sense of community that that is um, felt at SOMA. The massage that I had at SOMA was um, was a main themed massage. Yeah. So it started with a foot bath that included um, I think there was some balsam there. There was, yeah. And I believe, you, had, and I believe you have something to do with this. Yeah, yeah. So um, just a, a a life passion interest hobby um, has been um, you know making essential oil blends and lip balms and oils and bath products and so um, over the progression of soma becoming what it is I um, realized wow I there's something here I can maybe make some things and use them in these sessions and started doing that and got um, a really lovely response from our clients and so yes now when I'm I'm home um, on our farm I'm spending more time you know creating those blends and growing what I can and using what's coming from our farm as much as possible um, in those and then sharing them with our uh, guests at SOMA and and uh, in particular around the holidays, selling some of those things too. Yeah, so it's fun. Well, it was really interesting because it, it did kind of bring in the connection to the outdoors. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it was very, and it was very main. Yeah. You know, this idea that we have things around us that we can use to um, stay healthy. Yeah. We just have to connect back to the place that we live in. That's right. Yeah. So how does a person that grew up in South Portland end up with an interest in being on a farm and growing things and making stuff and where wh- how did that happen yeah well um i think uh it does lend itself to my years working for outward bound um, out on hurricane island learned a lot about being self-sufficient and homesteading um 
and that certainly sparked an interest. Um, you know, I, I have to uh, give credit to my partner, who's um, very much the motivator behind um, leaving South Portland, even though we love, is born and raised in this area and I love South Portland, but uh, moving, you know, 20 minutes, half hour out of town gave us this space um, and land to do a little more of um, growing for ourselves and um, and dabbling in farming. Um, you know, we have uh, American guinea hogs, which are on the endangered list, and they're um, uh, they're a wonderful animal. And we have goats and chickens and and lots of gardens. So, um, it was a passion of mine too, or an interest, I should say. But it was really my partner's passion that said, "Let's go and do this." And um, that's what we're sort of in the midst of it right now, just seeing where it's going to go. Not sure yet, but it's exciting. Well, I love the sense that um, that you've created. Those are the ones that I have smelled. I think that um, y- you were kind enough to provide me with, I think it was, one was a room spray oh, and yes. a travel yeah, yeah. spray. Yeah. And there was really something, um, it wasn't too sweet. It, it was really, it's gentle and it was a little yeah. spicy. And oh, yeah. and I really could get the a little bit of a sense of who you were by the the, the scent That's that, great. Thank that you. you gave to me. Yeah. Um, and then also, the, you gave me this lovely mug that yeah. says Soma on it. And yeah. I must tell you that my twenty, almost 21-year-old loves that mug. <laughs> that's so great. So you have some sort of interesting artistic temperament, I believe, that's going on here as well. Yeah. They're, well, um, well, thank you, first off. I'm glad that you enjoyed those things. Um, Shannon uh, Wong is one of our massage therapists, and she's a potter. So she created the mug and other mugs that we sell at Soma as well. Um, I think being in bodywork, um, working with our hands, um, is really about expressing something inside of us. And so I think there are a lot of, um, certainly at Soma, there's there's some artists, and, and I think in this field, people who want to express themselves with their hands, I think it's a natural extension to be interested in doing other things as well that do that, you know, in particular, um, you know, in the field of art, whether it's painting or potter, or for me, blending um, essential oils and natural products. And how does this all balance for you with with raising your nine-year-old daughter? Some days it doesn't, (laughs) quite honestly. I'm the one that needs to remind myself I need to go get a massage or, uh, but you know, um, I think there's, uh, uh, I don't know, a sense of joy and excitement in the chaos of life. And, um, you know, certainly there's some days that uh, we're running around and it feels a little nutty, but it all comes back to center um, because we're creating the life we want and that feels really special. and. Um, um, like a gift, really. And so subsequently, I, I can't complain about the nuttiness too much. But you raise an important point, and that is that not everyone feels as if they are creating the lives that mm. they want. Many people feel as if they somehow made decisions, and then they ended up somewhere, and yeah. now they're just kind of slogging through. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I hear that, and I see that, you know, with um, people who are coming in to get to get work. Um, and I, I, again, doing this kind of work, I love supporting people to kind of help them find that passion and and um, and to step out. But you know, whether you are 
working um, within your passion and that helps to, to uh, feed your life financially or if you have a job that you do, um, you still have a role to play and there's something wonderful in finding your joy, getting out there. Um, you know, Maine is a wonderful place to, to live and certainly raise a family. Getting outdoors is a way to connect to yourself and find that spark. Um, certainly getting body work helps that. Um, I feel blessed that my work aligns with what I get to do every day and I love it. But certainly if it wasn't the case, um, there's lots to do to find that balance and that passion and um, yeah, help you feel more connected in your life and what you're doing each day. Well, now that we're in a new year, um, I'm sure that people are going to be interested in pursuing wellness um, paths and massage is probably one of them. If you have clients who are coming to you that are trying to connect, what types of things besides the body work that we talked about or polarity energy work, what types of conversations do you have with your clients that might help them with that, finding their passion? You know, I think journaling is a wonderful um, way to kind of see through the clutter. Um, Certainly um, finding a meditation class or um, taking a yoga class, walks in nature, um, and then coming back with a pen and piece of paper and kind of writing out your thoughts. I think we can find themes if we do it long enough. And um, that's certainly something that I I do talk with people about. Um, There's wonderful books out there. I'm, I'm a big fan of Louise Hay. I'm not sure if you've read any of her things or not, but I really, I enjoy her work, um, in particular, the book, You Can Heal Your Life, uh, because of the insight that she shares about her own life and then um, how she sort of turned things around. Uh, she had uh, cancer and was able to, um, you know, for her, it, it worked to make some changes in her life that helped her. Um, but she feeds into that book uh, in the very back, there's affirmations about um, different parts of uh, different ailments or different parts of your body that might be blocked or whatever. And I, I love that. I feel like it's a great tool that I use for myself and share with my clients as well. Um, so, you know, I guess to answer that, I think, um, you know, finding something that speaks to you and um, or speaks to the client or person and and giving permission to get out and do that, you know, as we said before, Maine is a beautiful place, lots of, um, you know, mountains and oceans and beautiful scenery to get out and push yourself a little bit and um, find the grit and see what's there. So what would you like to do in 2017? What is your intention? This year, um, my daughter's getting older and she's nine and feels like she's going on 14. My intention um, <clears throat> really as a mother and a partner is to stay centered and grounded in being a mother and partner. Um, the years of building a business, um, there's a lot of stress that's involved with that, a lot of um, energy and output that is output. And while I feel blessed and, as I said, excited to be able to do this work and having created something, um, I also made some decisions that... Um, put a lot of more focus on out. And so now this year, I really am looking forward to um, being super present with all the activities that my daughter's in. She's uh, in drama and is a singer. And um, 
loves karate, so I'm really excited about um, helping to support her and nurture the things that she loves. And also, you know, continue with the projects, working on the farm and, um, you know, we have these ideas of expanding Soma, but we'll see where that goes. Right now, I'm, I'm pretty focused on being a mom. Well, I hope that um, people who are listening will find it within themselves to uh, schedule a massage over at Soma or maybe some Ayurvedic consult or yeah. some acupuncture because it really is a lovely spot that you've created. Thank a you. very um, homey, relaxing, quiet. It's really, it would be a gift to yourself to um, make that call or even actually schedule online which yes. I found very convenient yeah. because you know you have a menu of things to choose from and it's nice to be able to go in and just know all right this is what I'm going to be doing and and have it all done um, but I think it's important in the new year for to be able to spend that time on yourself absolutely during the holidays we don't we get a little bit outside of ourselves absolutely the new year is a time to, to focus back in yeah so julie i appreciate all the work that you have done to bring soma into um to life i guess you Thank have you. essentially what a almost 12 year old child yes in SOMA. very feels like that yes, yes. and yeah. i encourage um people to reach out to you and really learn how it is that you've kind of figured out this path for yourself because it seems like this idea of creating one's life is uh, something that you've worked on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. I've been speaking with Julie Wright, who is the owner and director of Soma Massage and Wellness in South Portland. She's been practicing since 2003 and specializes in therapeutic and nurturing massage, stress reduction, grief recovery, healing, and balancing work. I appreciate your coming in. Thank you, Lisa. Love Maine Radio is brought to you by The Front Room, The Corner Room, The Grill Room, and Boone's Fish House and Oyster Room. Chef Harding Lee Smith's restaurants where atmosphere, great service, and palate-pleasing options are available to suit any culinary mood. For more information, go to theroomsportland.com. Portland Art Gallery is proud to sponsor Love, Maine Radio. Portland Art Gallery is Portland's largest gallery and is located in the heart of the Old Port at 154 Middle Street. The gallery focuses on exhibiting work of contemporary Maine artists and hosts a series of monthly solo shows in its newly expanded space. The current show schedule includes Nancy Simmons, Elizabeth Hoy, and many more. For complete show details, please visit our website, artcollectormaine.com. In the studio with me today, I have Carrie Levine, who is the founder of Whole Woman Health, a holistic healthcare practice in Newcastle that serves women in the Midcoast. Carrie is also a certified nurse midwife. And you and I have known each other for quite a while, so yeah. thanks for coming in today. <laughs> I think back to the days on Maine Med. Yes. Walking around. Yes, waiting for those babies to be born. Waiting for the babies to be born. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's strange to think because I believe it was probably 20 years ago plus at this point. Yeah, for sure, because I've been practicing for 17, so that actually sounds about right if I was in school for three years mm -hmm. and I was doing some nursing at Maine Med. That was my crash course in high-risk obstetrics. Here's everything you need to know about high-risk obstetrics. Bam. <laughs> and Maine Med was really good for that. It was awesome for that. And the nurses were fantastic. I absolutely agree. Yeah. I'm, I think they still are. Yeah. For, I haven't had any babies in quite a yeah. while myself, but from what I understand from <laughs> yeah. other people, I think that they do a great job yeah. over there. I haven't been up there in a long time. It amazes me to hear Hector's name that he's still up there and around. 
Yes, Dr. Hector Terraza. We actually had him as a main live speaker, um, I think, this past September. That's awesome. So he's still out in the world, still doing good stuff. That's what I hear. I'll never forget walking into his office and making my plea, you have to have the residents labor sit an entire labor. They don't understand what's going on when they walk in for just five minutes. You have to have them sit through at least one entire labor so they get the whole picture. He listened well. (laughs) <laughs> and so did that change? I don't know. I don't know if it did. I don't I didn't stay too long after that once I started school, so I don't know where that is. So why did you first become interested in midwifery? I went well, I knew I wanted to work in women's health. I knew that for a super long time. When I started as an undergrad at Orono, I was a peer counselor at the women's center there. And the woman who ran that program at the time in 88's name is Ruth Lockhart. Do you know Ruth? Yes, I do. Yeah, and so she started Mabel Wadsworth Women's Health Center. And um, I loved doing the peer counselor work. I loved the learning. That was all super fantastic. And I ended up transferring schools a couple of times, but when I finished my undergrad, I went back to Ruth. And I said, you know, I'm thinking about healthcare. I'm not sure if I want to be a yoga teacher or a naturopath or... A physician or what I want to do and she very practically in her Ruth way said well how long do you want to go to school for and how much debt do you want to have <laughs> and so we talked that through and um, I always felt like I wanted to be a part of the healthcare system as opposed to existing outside of it as a yoga teacher or a naturopath I felt like most change could happen from within the system so we sort of landed on women's health nurse practitioner And when I went back to school after I did my undergrad and had to take science classes that I had avoided through my entire undergraduate (laughs) and then was applying to programs, I ended up at Case Western Reserve with a group of women um, who were all going to be midwives. And I had done a lot of work in outdoor education, actually, with Outward Bound and leading women's outdoor experiences, rock climbing and mountaineering and stuff. And got talked into doing a doula training course, so to be a trained labor assistant, and went into the birthing room, and it was a total transference of skills for me. It was just women doing physically challenging things. And I was like, oh, well, I know how to do this. I can do this. This is easy, and this is really fun. So I decided to be a midwife. I think the other piece of it that was super appealing was that it's multidisciplinary in its roots. It draws from midwifery, it draws from nursing, it draws from medicine, public health, social work, and and all of those disciplines. And I, and that, that sort of knowledge base is so rich, and I feel like creates such rich practitioners who can relate to a variety of people in a variety of different scenarios. As I was listening to you talk, I was thinking about your decision tree as far as yoga, naturopathic medicine, midwifery. Um, back 17 years ago, there wasn't, oh, there, that kind of tree didn't yeah. exist. Yeah. I mean, there when I was in training, because this is when you and I knew each other, I was a family practice resident, there weren't like all the people doing yoga teacher training. No, you know, it was totally naturopathic new. Naturopathic medicine is only in our state 
a couple decades, maybe 15 years old. Yeah. So how is it that you you were you were able to kind of sit outside of the mainstream and yet know that you wanted to be in the mainstream? Yeah, that's such a funny question. You're very good at the questions you ask. Um, I sort of like to tell the story of that I've been weird since a really, really, really young age. <laughs> I can remember being 11 years old and having horrible insomnia and reading The Relaxation Response by Herbert Benson. And I took a class in high school at Brookline High outside of Boston for gym credit because I hated gym called Body Mind Science. And the teacher, Marilyn Howell, introduced us to all of these alternative modalities. So she brought in Feldenkrais healers and she brought in crystal healers and she brought in actors and actresses and dancers and yoga and all of this stuff. And she had these mandatory Sunday evening sessions at her house where she would teach yoga and meditation. And I loved it. I totally, totally loved it and just sort of grabbed on to particularly yoga um, from from when I was a teenager. So I had that exposure. Um, and I, I guess I just knew enough that it, it just always felt to me like it would be super easy to exist outside the system and do my thing, but that that wouldn't change mainstream thoughts about health and healing. And that was what I felt like really and continue to feel like really needs to happen. It's also, from a timing standpoint, you're a little off shift because Although we've always we've had good women's health practitioners for a long, long time, I think about kind of this peak in the 70s with our bodies ourselves, and now it's kind of coming back again. Now women's health has really had this resurgence. Yeah. But you were, you were kind of in between those two generations. And yeah. And you I, still felt strongly enough that you kind of just moved forward on this path. I, I guess I did. I mean, I think when I when I was at UMaine or and I was an undergrad working with Ruth Lockhart. They're, they used to put on conferences called Health in Our Hands, and they were women's health conferences really mostly about empowering women, hence the title. And the keynote speaker that year, the keynote speakers that year were Deb Sewell, founder of Avena Botanicals, and Chris Northrup. And they spoke together on the stage, and I can get teary just remembering that moment. That was like my aha moment. I was like, it's not an either-or scenario. It's not one's good and one's bad. I never, ever felt that way. I always felt like it was a continuum. And it really depended on the woman, her situation, and her intuition as to what the right answers are. And that's how I practice today, because I I think the proclivity for people to sort of shun medicine, particularly in the quote-unquote alternative community, is rampant. And I, I don't agree with that either. You know, and I, I see plenty of women now who come into the office and they say, I'm depressed. I don't want antidepressants. And other women will walk in and say, I'm depressed. I want antidepressants. And to me, and this feels so much like the midwife in me, like when I used to talk about pain management, that there's this huge continuum from doing nothing to an epidural. And there's all this other stuff in between that's available to us. And so I feel the same way when someone comes in now with depression, like there's an entire continuum of options available to you. How do you want to do it? Like what works for you? 
what's realistic for you, for your time, your money, your energy, your life, because it's different for each of us. You know, some of us don't have the resources to go to acupuncture and meditate and yada, yada, yada. And some people feel super desperate and want a quick fix and other people want to really work on their lifestyle stuff. And there's no judgment in in where anybody is at. It's only in trying to help support them with whatever's going on. It is true that integrative medicine, when it was called, um, I think we, it was initially called complementary medicine. Yeah, so. it's still called that. I just saw something come through on that. So, or and alternative medicine. Yeah, actually, that was I think it was alternative and then complementary, and now we're finally to integrative. Yeah. Um, there's some there's that's weird. It's like there's a it has to be an either or. You, yeah. You have to choose this or the other. And I feel so much more comfortable with the both-and approach. Yeah. And it's because we have so many different types of people in the world and their learning styles and their health styles and how much they want to work at stuff. and Totally. And what's actually going to work for someone. You know, you can, what works for one isn't going to necessarily work for all. You know, and I would say that's, I see a fair number of those people who've tried the whatever and it didn't work. It's not working. I saw a woman this week on three blood pressure medications and I took her blood pressure and it was still elevated. So I'm like, okay, so why take the medication if it's not it's not working? So we need to find a different way. We can't just keep giving you a snowball of medications and hope that it's ultimately going to work. Like in the meantime, what are you eating? What are you drinking? How are you managing your stress? How are you sleeping? All of those things because maybe if those pieces are in order, the medication isn't needed, or one will actually kick in and take effect. Yeah, no, not an either-or scenario. It's. I love that you brought up the idea of blood pressure, because what often happens with women's health is that we are thought of as ovaries and the parts below the ovaries. Yeah. <laughs> which I don't mind saying the word vagina. It doesn't bother me at all. So people, if you're sensitive, I'm sorry. That's just what it's called. But I, I don't think that most women want to be thought of as breasts, ovaries, and vaginas. Yeah. And, and uteri. I mean, none of us, that's, that's, we don't, any of us want to be reduced to that. And you're bringing up the solid point, like, okay, here's a woman on three different blood pressure medications. Yeah. She's got a heart issue. Yeah. So I think it's great now that we're actually treating women like, full people and men like full people yeah what a concept yeah well and that's where functional medicine really changed my practice for sure because I wasn't well versed in a fair amount of that I mean midwives nurse midwives in the state of Maine can be primary care practitioners from an insurance and a um, from insurance and reimbursement perspective but Man, when I think about the stuff that nobody ever taught me when I was in school that are primary care-ish, you know, thyroid is the classic example. I mean, the number of women who come in with Hashimoto's thyroiditis or a thyroid issue, or they think it's a thyroid issue, they want it to be a thyroid issue, like, I never got trained in that. And that was really what drove me to work toward functional medicine certification was I was like... I need a little bit more information. Dan Spratt, who's the chief of reproductive endocrinology at Maine Med, is a gracious consultant and teacher, but I still was uncomfortable. And so when people come in and they say, well, can you be my primary care? The answer is no, I cannot, because essentially, other than Maine care, I'm 
uh, OBGYN specialist, but my scope of practice is so broad because I'm not just looking at breasts and pelvic. It's, I can't, I can't, you can't tease that stuff out. You can't tease out a hormone issue as being solely hormonally driven from thyroid or adrenal in the same way you can't tease it out from stress management and nutrition like it's all connected so that's the beauty of what I do but it really makes my scope of practice quite broad so for people who don't have a familiarity with functional medicine Mm. give us a little background Mm. so (laughs) I always think of my husband who's like nobody knows what you mean when you say that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so so functional medicine is a systems biology approach. And what that means is that instead of looking at each system in isolation, you look at the interconnectedness of the sy- systems. And so you basically look at what seem to be maybe an unrelated constellation of symptoms, and you're sort of drilling down through the biochemistry to try and understand where the root of it is stemming from. And that is profound. And so what I've actually heard is that medical schools are beginning to change in that regard. I've heard, and I don't know this for sure, but I've heard that Harvard is moving towards a systems biology approach. And so it just makes sense. I mean, I feel like when I, tr- when I explain it to women, you know, that, so, okay, your ovaries are your primary sex hormone production site, but you also get some secondary production from your adrenals. So if you have a lot of stress where there's a lot of cortisol output, that's the primary job of the adrenals, then it stands to reason that your sex hormone production is going to be compromised. And the thyroid, ovaries, and adrenals are all on the same hormone loop. So you can't separate that stuff out. You know, if you intervene at any level of the system, you'll see symptoms related to the other systems alleviated. And in that way, you can really shift a lot. So there's that. And then the other thing about functional medicine is that the primary intervention is lifestyle, for sure. And that's the other piece that I love. I spend a lot of time talking to people about food and healthy living. And that's, that's the best. It's, you know, it's time-intensive care, which midwives, that's the hallmark of what we do, is spend time with people and it's really trying to help them um, fine-tune their lifestyle so that they have the health and the longevity that they want. I think about a woman I saw recently with a blood pressure issue who was drinking, I don't remember, on a daily basis. And we had a conversation about that, and of course her doctor wants her to take medication, and I said to her, So here, and she wasn't exercising, so I said, all right, let's try this, if you're up for it. Because some women are like, I'm not doing that. Um, That's my line. I'm not cutting out the whatever, the coffee, the alcohol, the sweet every day, whatever it is. And that's fine. Like, I'm like, we all live a very short life and there has to be pleasure. So if that's your line, that's your line. You get to decide where your line is. It's not about being perfect. So I proposed to her, I said, what if you stop drinking for 30 days and let's see what happens to your sleep, which was altered, and your blood pressure, and let's try and get you moving a little bit aerobically, like beyond her normal exercise, and get a blood pressure cuff and take your blood pressure in the mornings and bring them in and let me take a look. 
And I just saw her recently, and she's, she did it. I saw her 30 days. She did it. I said, how, so have you noticed anything else? She said, I sleep so much better, and I feel so much better. And she said, well, I cheated, you know, three or four times. And I'm like, it's not cheating. I said, it's about, you know, the exception as opposed to the norm. You know, in a body that's balanced, small deviations like that, you can still feel well. In a body that's not balanced with that amount of consumption, you might not feel well every day. So, I mean, her blood, pre- her blood pressure isn't exactly where she wanted it to be, where we want it to be. So we layered in some supplementation. So that's sort of like the next rung on the functional medicine ladder and um, for another 30 days. And we'll see what happens at the end of 30 days. And if we can't get it down, then that's the indication for medication in my book. If it's not coming down with lifestyle, nutrition, supplementation, then okay, you did your part. And whatever is driving it is driving it. So it's not a horrible application for medication if you want to do, th- do it that way. She was she was game for another thirty days. I I, I completely subscribe to your way of practicing. I think it's <laughs> great, and uh, and it also is really nice in that it it doesn't feel as judgmental. In yeah. fact, it doesn't feel judgmental at all, which is really the way that I think we need to be approaching medicine. I think yeah. we need to be able to say to people, "Here's a fact: alcohol can cause insomnia, can impact yeah. your blood pressure, can make you feel not so good." It's not judging you for drinking alcohol. Here's the fact. What do you want to do with it? Totally. There's no judgment. I mean, like, the the strive for the perfection is, like, that's a whole other illness. And I know you know what I mean. It's just those people who feel like they can't live because they're so trying to do it so right. And we all know you can do it right, and you can still end up with the short end of the stick in terms of your own health. How many, I mean, I think about that in terms of labor, right? You can take the Buddha incarnate, right? The marathon runner, the yogic breather, the yada, yada, yada. And still she ends up with a really, really, really rough labor. So you can live really, 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 really well. And you can still end up with a major health issue. So this idea of like being so constrained and confined of trying to do it right that you're sort of afraid to live is problematic on the other end of the continuum, in my opinion. Yeah, I completely agree. And yeah. it's, it's I, I sometimes wonder if the stress of that yeah, actually totally. causes problems with your health, whatever those may be. I totally, totally, I see that all the time. You know, I do a fair amount of food sensitivity testing, which requires food elimination and food is a sensitive issue for women. I mean, if there's a hot spot for women, I would say that's it. Food and the correlate weight issue, you know, is huge. And I can be working with someone around food elimination. And if she is, if she just is consumed with it, you know, beyond being able to function, then sometimes I say, forget it forget it, this is not helpful to you. It's like the internet, right? It's just like, it's great if you can go and get a little bit of information. It's disabling if you're completely sucked in by it. And the same thing with the food elimination, like it's a, it's a tool that helps many, not all. And if it's helpful, awesome. And if it becomes this source of profound stress, forget it. There has to be another way. Because there's nothing that will make us sicker than stress. Nothing. 
nothing at all, including trying to get well. So, you know, that's that's my line right there. And there is also genetics. So even if yeah. you are keeping yourself completely well. Totally. And are doing everything and you don't feel stressed about it, but you just feel like you have a pretty good lifestyle, sometimes there's just... There's not only genetics, there's stuff that might be going on in the environment around you. Absolutely. And there are things we were raised in this interesting time where we have been given more control and we have more information. So we think that we might have ultimate control. We don't have control. There's, no. there's just not as much control as we think that there is. No. So all we can really do is control what we can. Yeah. And then deal with whatever's left. Yeah. Have you read the book, The Gene? Mm-mm. By... Siddharthas, I can't remember his last name. He's the same guy who wrote The Emperor The Emperor of Lost Maladies. Oh, it's uh, Lumpari, I think. Like, I think that's right. Yes, yeah, whatever yes. his name is. So it's so fascinating. So it's essentially the history of the gene all the way back to Mendel, Mendelian times. And the hilarity of what was considered to be scientific truth through the course of history, really elucidates how much we really don't know. <laughs> that we like to think we know, but history has proven what we thought we knew we really didn't know. <laughs> and so there's so much in that of what we think we know to be truth now. And the gene thing is fascinating. I mean, the emerging of genomics to me is completely changing my practice for sure and changing health for women. I mean, I've taken care of a handful of women now with a lifetime histories of hormone um, imbalances, you know, maybe horrible PMS and then fibroids and then endometriosis and then maybe difficulties getting pregnant or difficulties with pregnancy or difficult postpartum and then post like perimenopausal bleeding, abnormalities, like this whole this pattern that is really recognizable that people haven't necessarily made sense of. And now we can look at some of the genes that regulate the hormone detoxification process, you know, and say, this is why, this is why despite eating mostly vegetarian and being a super active woman and taking the supplements and not eating too much refined processed food, this maybe is a part of the reason why your hormones still didn't balance. And look, here are the things that we can do to support that genetic variation so that you get optimal function through detoxification. And it's so vindicating for women, you know, who've like done everything, everything. Those women that we allude to, you know, did acupuncture, did the energy healing, did the whole gamut of things, you know, had the ablations and the surgeries all across the continuum and and still ended up, you know, with a pretty significant health, undesirable health outcome. And, And did she weep, you know, when she understood that her genes played a significant part, had to have played a significant part because it wasn't anything that she did. And that, maybe that's sort of the value and the freedom for women is we're so hard on ourselves so often and we try to do the right thing and take good care of ourselves and when it doesn't work out, we can be really hard on ourselves and we forget the wild card, the genes, and and all of the other pieces we can't control in the environment and whatnot. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. There's a researcher 
actually in Tallahassee, where I guess they have the highest infant mortality rate in the country. And they're, they're super c- committed to keeping family practice doctors um, growing strong. I guess not a lot of people are choosing that specialty because it's not financially lucrative. So family practitioners, I guess, are a dying breed. Thank you for being a family practitioner. <laughs> I, I will definitely <laughs> attest to the fact that although my employer is very generous, I definitely am fairly low on the totem pole yeah. as far as the salary spectrum. Right. And when you live in a rural place like most of the country does, you know, it's hard to get health care to those places. So this woman whose name is Ruth, I can't remember her last name. She's one of the founding mothers of functional medicine. She's a geneticist. And so she worked with a woman who has a PhD in mindfulness, I think. And they're piloting a 10-month prenatal program called Grow Me with a focus being on the prenatal aspect and positively affecting the epigenetics of the baby. So beginning to look at how can we as women set up our children genetically for a healthy life. So it'll be interesting to see as that research is forthcoming how that does it work. Carrie, you see patients in your home office, which is right up the coast in Newcastle. Newcastle. Mm-hmm. And you also um, lease space from Coastal Pharmacy and Wellness here in Portland. Yeah. So you do consults down here. You I also do a fair amount of public speaking and outreach. Um, I do. We are going to um, put a link to your website on your on our show notes page. Great. And I really encourage anyone who's been, I've been trying to send patients your direction because I know that you have a lot to offer the people that I see. I really encourage anyone who's listening who's had questions about her health that really haven't been answered sufficiently to, you know, consider having a conversation with you because I think that you're offering information that um, really integrates a lot of really important ideas that not everybody has access to. Thank you. Yeah, hoping to increase access so that women know there's another way. Uh, I appreciate the work that you're doing. I've been speaking with my friend uh, Carrie Levine, who is the founder of Whole Woman Health, a holistic healthcare practice in Newcastle that serves women in the Midcoast. Carrie is also a certified nurse midwife. Thanks for coming in today. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Love Main Radio, show number 278, Body Balance. Our guests have included Julie Wright and Carrie Levine. For more information on our guests and extended interviews, visit lovemainradio.com. Love Main Radio is downloadable for free on iTunes. For a preview of each week's show, sign up for our e-newsletter and like our Love Main Radio Facebook page. Follow me on Twitter as Dr. Lisa and see my running travel, food, and wellness photos as Bountiful One on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you, so please let us know what you think of Love Main Radio. We welcome your suggestions for future shows. Also, let our sponsors know that you have heard about them here. We are privileged that they enable us to bring Love Main Radio to you each week. This is Dr. Lisa Belayo. I hope that you have enjoyed our Body Balance show. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day. May you have a bountiful life. Love Main Radio is made possible with the support of Berlin City Honda, The Rooms by Harding Lee Smith, Maine Magazine, Portland Art Gallery, and Art Collector Maine. Audio production and original music have been provided by Spencer Albee. Our editorial producer is Paul Koenig. 
Our assistant producer is Shelby Wassett. Our community development manager is Casey Lovejoy. And our executive producers are Kevin Thomas, Rebecca Falzano, and Lisa Belisle. For more information on our host's production team, Maine Magazine, or any of the guests featured here today, please visit us at lovemainradio.com.